0: The presenting sponsor for On Education is Schoology. Schoology is not only the best learning management system, it's also a community of lifelong learners. There are so many things to love about Schoology, but my favorite is the company's passion to connect with their teachers and students to deliver the best product possible. If you want to learn more about Schoology and how they can help you advance what's possible, visit Schoology.com. On Education is also brought to you by Project Pals. Project-based learning has come a long way since poster boards and paper cutouts. Digital platforms like Project Pals have cut teacher prep time in half to allow more time for research and learning. They can either choose from the dozens of projects available in the catalog or create a tailored project from scratch. Project Pals multi-purpose platform allows students to work in real time to create project assets, import media, and save their resources all in one place. Solidly grounded in years of research, Project Pals is your all-in-one solution for student-centered inquiries and group projects.
1: You know, if you have a problem with what I'm saying about U.S. politics, come on the show and come (laughs) at me. It's fine. Welcome to On Education. I'm Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have a special
0: pod for you today. We're turning the tables and being interviewed by Dylan Rogers from Innovation and Tech Today. This is going to be awesome.
1: It's going to be very (laughs) awesome. Know what else is awesome? What else is awesome? I've had Baby Shark in my head all week. What is Baby Shark? (laughs) Anyone with kids that are like probably two to five or six how old's your youngest my youngest is six okay yes well good six and good. eleven don't sh- don't show your youngest baby shark it's a song is it on it's youtube the baby shark do 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 doo do baby shark, do, 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 do. It sounds if you if you yeah, actually look know. online james james corden did a, a bit on it just last week that's what got into my head because i was getting close to getting it out of my head and then i saw james corden do a little bit with sophie turner and josh groban and uh it was hysterical it's a song and it's taking the world by storm and it's terrible and it (laughs) infects your brain sounds awesome like (laughs) like, like uh, a song (laughs) right right it's like that and before that was uh you know um uh gangnam style and oh, yeah yes so no baby shark is Baby shark year. is the new one. I'm going to listen to it. Baby, baby <laughs> shark is this year's what does the fox say? Okay. <laughs> Except way worse. They get way worse, way? right? Cuz Gangnam Style wasn't actually that bad all things considered. It was it was good. It was fun. And what does the fox say it was is hilarious. just a little bit worse a little bit worse than that. <laughs> right? A little bit more obnoxious. Uh, and then no, oh, now we've we've hit full obnoxious with Baby Shark. All right,
0: I can't wait to see it. It is yes. stuck in your head, huh?
1: <laughs> oh, it's awful. All right. I need I need to listen to Africa by Toto a few times to get something cool in my head again. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what I'm gonna do right that's, after this. Is just put that, Africa on blast That's the for song time.
0: you choose for. <laughs> Dude,
1: that's a <laughs> wicked song. <laughs> don't even start with That'd me. Awesome. If you don't like Africa.
0: No, I like it. It's just an interesting song to choose to counter Baby Shark.
1: <laughs> yes, you counter counter Baby Shark with Toto. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, did you did you hear about this? So I have uh, Minecraft Dun- Minecraft Dungeons. Okay. That's this is a thing. This a is game.
0: This is crazy. It's like a role like a whole game?
1: other game being announced by Minecraft by yeah. Microsoft called Minecraft Dungeons. It looks kind of isometric, almost like Diablo. Oh, I'm wondering, Okay, if it's going to be like Diablo. That sounds interesting. It'd be cool. There's a lot of questions. No, they didn't really like say what it is or what it's going to be like. But if it was like Minecraft themed Diablo, but if you could build in it still, that would be that would be rad. Yes. Like if you could build walls or 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 break down walls and or I don't know. So they're not telling us exactly what it is. It sounds like a dungeon crawler. Okay. So it, it it sounds like Diablo. Yes. But in in like a Minecraft style, which I mean, I'll play that. Oh yeah, for sure. Sounds it looks fun cool. to me.
0: Yeah, it looks or it sounds like a cool idea.
1: Yeah. So so this is this is interesting. It was announced at the Minecon. So Minecon, uh, which is like the Minecraft official Minecraft the, convention. Yes, the big convention. Uh And yeah, they called it, uh, they call it Minecraft Dungeons. Players can take on the world alone or as part of a four-person group. Uh, Sounds like Diablo. Uh, An enhanced version of Minecraft's familiar landscape of blocks. But the screenshot that comes with it has a very Diablo look, right? The isometric. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's interesting. It's a cool look. I like it. And like the graphics are just a little bit better, right? Yes. So... It's definitely not voxel. Like that's just an intentional graphic style. That's I don't think that's the same as like a voxel type, uh, you know, design. Um, So and then there was a night an update announced uh, Minecraft update called Village and Pillage, uh, which introduces new players, new new NPCs. Oh, that's awesome. New people into the game. New people, librarian, butcher. Uh, The one that was interesting was this one, the, the barbarians. Oh so there's people who are going to there's there's NPCs that will attack the villages. Oh that's sad.
0: <laughs> so it's not just monsters that they have to worry about now it's the barbarians. Poor right,
1: but these will attack the NPC villages. That's what I mean. I guess. <laughs> poor guys, <laughs> poor guys. Yeah. What yeah, about they, doing their yeah, as if they did not the have to worry about with
0: us, <laughs> with zombies and you nobody know, else
1: coming and ruining their lives? Yeah, exactly. Taking down their houses, or even worse, you know what we used to, I used to do is is crowd them all into one house and then lock them in it. Oh, and yeah. Then, well, and then you have the whole. That's dark, eh?
0: If, if it's well, if it's one super important guy, <laughs> I always lock them in a little. Uh, a, a little block a thing, block? so that I could always come back and <laughs> trade with them, and also that so that they wouldn't get murdered by a zombie at night, you know, so it was kind of for their own was protection
1: I, <laughs> was I telling you about the golem spawner that I built no. or that I built with some buddies that had them all like in like a little cage no up up, up top, and it, it 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 made it it was to simulate it being in a city, so it spawned iron golems and then you burn the island golems and you get iron it was like an iron farm. Oh yeah, but, uh, but uh, you know, poor poor <laughs> villagers. You're like what an existence. It's like the San Diego Zoo, but for for Minecraft villagers.
0: <laughs> poor NPCs.
1: <laughs> the poor, yeah, they have a bad. I feel life. Sort of bad. They have a bad
0: life. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um. Yeah. What else do we got to talk about? Your 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 conference? Yes, next
0: weekend on Saturday, I'm speaking and then also presenting at. I guess both speaking and then doing a workshop at the CCFLT conference. It's the Colorado Congress of Foreign Language Teachers, um, so that will be in the Denver area, and I'll be hanging around with Noah. It'll be <gasps> awesome. Noah, Geisel, friend of the pod, right? I forgot about that. Yeah, yes,
1: because he's he's in I w- when I it. was setting up this when I was setting up the schedule for like the next month or so, a podcast, I'm like, why is there a gap? And what is supposed to be in that gap? We're doing a pod guys. Have you talked to Noah about this yet? I have not,
0: (laughs) (laughs) but he's always willing to do stuff. So, so we should be good.
1: Noah, Noah's hearing here for the first time that he's going to do the podcast with us next week. Yeah. And
0: he's all about that too. (laughs) So we'll do it live so live from Denver, Colorado, and, yeah. and maybe in Noah's living room or something like that.
1: Sweet. I'm excited about that. First third time guest. I know. He's just all over the place. Noah. Guys <laughs> oh, He is awesome. He's the man. Yes, he is. <laughs> all right. So that's next week. That's next weekend, yes. Wow. And your and your keynote is exceptional. I've read it. The keynote, yeah, it's, I'm still working on it because I want some more interactive elements. I
0: actually... Okay. Uh, have Are you going to make them dance? Uh, yeah, yep. <laughs> to the Fox song. No, no. Um, the Macarena, since it's a, since it's a language teacher's club. Right. <laughs> Something just is right. annoying. Um, it. No, it's just want some uh, interactive elements where people can, uh, you know, give their... Uh, you know, kind of give their input on several different things that I'm presenting about. So I think it is, I think it's going to go awesome and, uh, have several people look at it, including you. So good, good feedback. So I think it's going to, it's going to be a fantastic conference, great educators there and hopefully everybody. And I get to meet a lot of people and learn a lot.
1: Have you keynoted a conference before?
0: I have not, not like this, not like where it's not like where it's, uh, official you know where you're actually getting it mm-hmm. from but since i'm doing it this month in october or this next month in october then i might as well mm-hmm. do it again in november <laughs> i'm doing it again in november so
1: <laughs> the same you're gonna are you gonna give the same talk basically i'm not i'm gonna i i'm going to use components of it but mm-hmm. the
0: one that i'm presenting on in november is a tech uh conference more you know suited to that So I'm definitely going to, you know, angle it at some tech elements, more, more kind of like about the things that we'd like to talk about, whether it be gamification, game-based learning, or just being innovative, you know, taking risks, those kinds of things. So that's, that's that one, but I won't worry about that until I get through with this
1: one. (laughs) Yeah. One at a time. Yes. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, What else you got going on?
0: Um, Well, I was reading an article that talked about the, that, over a quarter of U S households own one of the smart speakers. So I have one in my house too. And, and I was like, Oh, that'd be interesting whether or not we should be using smart speakers in classes. And so I've heard of this movement. um, And there's several different teachers who are using them. And it would be interesting to hear more ideas about how that could be a useful component, you know, to have some artificial intelligence in class and be able to answer kind of those Google kind of questions Uh, but maybe even expand it beyond that. So I don't know what that would actually be. So it'd be interesting to hear from our audience. What are people using or how are they using smart uh, speakers in their classes? Have you heard of that, Mike?
1: I I haven't. I I would just use it to find out if there's going to be indoor recess. (laughs) Yeah. For the weather. Of course. Yeah. You want Google? Is it going to, Hey, Google, is it going to rain in the next 10 minutes. Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. To be able to do the weather, different kinds of aspects, but I've heard that this is a movement in class. I just want to hear more about, you know, what, what specifically are you using it for? It's kind of like a little home base. Um, instead of doing a quick Google search, you know, typing something out. you ask it a specific question or whatever those things might be.
1: That would be interesting. I've, I have a Google, I have Google homes. I have two yeah. of them. We have a, we have a big one in the living room and then we have the mini in the bedroom. we, literally use it almost exclusively for the weather in the morning. I I've set I use it for the alarm sometimes. Okay. Um and we play music, music yeah. every once in a while on it cuz the speakers are actually quite good, like the at least the Google Home speakers are. Um what else have we done with it? Uh we could hook it up to our Nest thermostat. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think I don't think we've done that yet, and I do have it hooked up to turn off the TV.
0: Oh. Look at you, fancy.
1: <laughs> well, but I don't know what I'd use it for at school other than checking the weather. Yeah. I, I, and I think there's
0: some innovative uses out there. So I, I want to hear more about that. And maybe we could bring uh, some stories back or even a guest who who uses this in some kind of innovative way. Because it's a really cool technology. I would love
1: to learn more about that.
0: Uh, it'd be cool to see how people are pushing it to beyond, you know, kind of what what we normally would use it for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we uh, are going to skip a, a much larger next segment because we have um, a special segment coming up next. We were interviewed uh, by Dylan Rogers uh, from Innovation and Tech Today magazine. Um, he came on our show and then we handed over control of the interview to him and he interviewed us. And it's, it's quite a bit longer. So this episode will be a normal length episode, but mostly now it's, uh, it's an interview. So when we come back, uh, we'll be speaking with Dylan Rogers. On Education is brought to you by Teacher Gaming. Teacher Gaming Desk is an
0: all-in-one toolkit for any teacher looking to use more games in their classroom. And Teacher Gaming just launched a dedicated Chromebook subscription bundle with 20 awesome games. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's only $99 per class per year. So you've got your whole class, you've got 20 different games that can be played on a Chromebook. How great is that? If you want to learn more about teacher gaming, simply go to teachergaming.com to get started.
1: All right, welcome back to the podcast. We're joined by Dylan Rogers. Dylan is the managing editor of Innovation and Tech Today. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Dylan. Thank you. It's great to be here. So we're doing something a little different this time. This is gonna be a whole lot of fun. Uh we know Dylan uh from from other things and Dylan got in touch with us uh recently and said, you know, we should we should do some stuff together and we like doing stuff with people because <laughs> you know doing stuff is fun. And Dylan, uh, you know, innovation in tech today is a is a magazine and you guys do lots of stuff. Actually, before you we go into what's actually happening here, why don't you tell us I'll give you a chance to do a little plug. What's what's innovation and in tech today, Dylan?
2: Okay, so I I am the managing editor, like you said, of Innovation in Tech Today. It's a an online and print publication. Um, we have some su- subsidiary publications as well, uh, and it's it's all about the way that tech is transforming the human experience. So, uh, you know, we cover different topics uh anywhere from you know news and business and outdoor tech science i mean all all kinds of things there's something there for everybody uh so uh, and education's a big part of that right i mean education tech is is such a big <laughs> i mean it's such a big market but also just such a big driver in what's happening in the world today and it's uh you know that that's exactly why i wanted to come on here and talk with you guys
1: Awesome. Okay. So this, this is what is happening. Dylan is actually interviewing us, which is Woo. bizarre, uh, <laughs> but we're going to, we're going to actually just, I'm going to stop talking, believe it or not. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> and, pa- pa- and, and pass it, pass it off to Dylan. Uh, uh, take it away, dude. Awesome. Well, this is,
2: this is good. All right. So have you guys been interviewed? You haven't been interviewed on your podcast before, have you?
1: I don't think so. Never. No.
2: Excellent. Well, There's a first for everything. So uh let's let's go ahead and kick this off. So you launched your pod, your podcast on education in March 2018. And I remember when this happened, and then all of a sudden it was just at the top of the education and education technology podcast categories. Well yeah. first of all, what's that like? <laughs> Glenn, what's that like? Um it's really Weird. surreal,
0: I would say. <laughs> I mean, we knew that there was a need, I thought, I mean, we both thought that there was a need for this, but I didn't, it was going to be difficult, I thought, to just kind of get the word out. That's actually probably the hmm. most difficult part is just trying to get, once people start listening to it, I think they really enjoy it. They like the topics, Um, but it's, I didn't think it would be that quickly that a lot of people would start listening
1: to it. How about you, Mike? seeing seeing ourselves on the charts the first time was surreal like like on the first on the on the charts themselves and then the first time we were number one on the charts was really weird like (laughs) there was there was a lot of um language back and forth between glenn and i uh you know we were excited like it was crazy i couldn't i couldn't believe it to be honest so, uh, it was, it's pretty weird. I, I don't know what other word to use. It's, it's obviously we're honored, uh, and, and love that people like it. So, um, but, but it's, it's been a weird experience. That's for sure.
2: So what was the reason for starting your podcast in the first place?
0: I think Mike had the original idea. Cause he approached me at Schoology next 20, just after, just
1: after next. Yeah. Uh,
0: 17. Cause, yeah. Cause it was a while okay. back. And yeah, I, and I thought he he was just some crazy guy talking to <laughs> me. <laughs> I didn't really take it seriously. But then he came back. When did you actually start talking to me for real, Mike? November, maybe. So
1: yeah, probably in November of 2017. And and basically, you said, "Listen, things are happening over here. Like he was leaving his job and getting ready to move and start a new one. And said, you know, why don't we wait and talk about this more in like December or January." of 2018 uh so i waited um i didn't want to do this alone so this was my i, I love podcasts i listen to tons of them it's really the only thing i listen to uh in my car mostly politics podcasts but uh, i mean a little bit of uh, other things as well um and i wanted to do one i thought you know this is something i can figure out how to do i think and so i but i didn't want to do it alone um I wasn't as confident in my voice, I guess, as I am now, but I mean, I certainly didn't want to do it alone. Uh, And, and I was looking for someone that was interesting and smart and engaging. Whoa. And (laughs) there we go. That's like a proposal. Yeah, that seemed (laughs) good to be be Glenn. Um, So, so I approached him and yeah, we we started talking about it seriously in January and worked for a few months. And then, and then in March we kind of hit the, the go button on it but uh it's been a lot of work but you know I I think that the genre and the medium is there's very low barriers to entry it's easy for a lot of people to actually just get into and do um being successful is a different story but um right it's it's not overly hard I guess
2: well I know you guys have day jobs uh so how many hours are you putting in a week on this you think Mike puts in a lot more hours than me
0: because <laughs> he, oh, he, he manages basically all of the business aspects of this, which I didn't know that there would be business aspects of this. And now there's a lot of different <laughs> things to go ahead and, and I mean, which is great. There's a lot of things though, to deal with, uh, whether they be sponsors or, uh, anything else that has to do with gas or anything like that. Um, hmm Mike is managing a lot of those things. I mean, there's people that we both know or that we communicate. We try to get out to different people uh, to try to get them on the show. But as far as the ins and outs of the business itself, Mike, tell us about the time spent on this.
1: (laughs) I mean, things are getting easier. um, Thank God. Uh, I think when we started, I was probably putting 20 hours a week into it. I I was really working hard. Um the 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 outlines are easier to write now. We we kind of are paying attention. We've got a pattern down a little bit more. Um so I'm probably in between 5 and 10 hours a week now. Um but I'm still putting in and I'm always thinking of things related to it, um even if I'm not physically actually at my computer typing or or something like that. Um so you know, it's a lot of work uh, to do this the way that we wanted to do it. Now, you can any almost anyone to be honest can put out a podcast. Uh, really, it is pretty. Get set awesome up a SoundCloud account, so get yourself easy. a microphone, yeah. right, and just start talking. Um, doing it at uh, with a production level uh, and quality level that we wanted, with um, you know a, a level of discourse that we wanted it is quite a bit harder and then to go places and do things like we would like to do or that we do like going to ISTE and we're going to FETC in, in the winter, um, and school G next, those, those things take work to get there. Like you can't just, I mean, things cost money, right. And going to ISTE cost us close to four grand, all total. Um, and that money had to come from somewhere. Um, so if, if we want to do stuff like that, you got to work, you got to make sure it's a good quality production so that you can get some sponsors. And we've been lucky with that. Um, super happy with the way that all of that has worked out uh, for us. And so, you know, it's, it's been work, but you know, uh, I, I've said it a few times in the last few months, at least that I'm probably doing the best work of my life right now, I feel. Uh, and this is definitely part of it. I'm, I'm really proud of what we've done. Very cool. So, Let's, I wanted to back up a little bit. So in our
2: previous conversation, you guys, uh, you talked about how you had really different journeys to education, um, to developing, you know, effective technology strategies and, and ultimately coming and converging into the show. Uh, I was hoping you could uh, tell me a little bit about that. Since Glenn, you've been talking first each time, Mike, let's start with you.
1: I don't know if you want to do that. <laughs> um, Glenn and I are both. Um, we come from similar veins in, in a lot of respects. Our, our game-based learning backgrounds, our, our passion for video games in general, and um, and gamification. Um, so, so that's that's kind of where you know the the core. If there was like a core of the things that. You know, we have in common those; those are kind of um, the things that we have in common. Uh, we're pretty different in a lot of other ways. Um, that and that's what makes the the podcast a little more compelling is that that we do have slightly different personalities in a lot of other ways. Um, but you know, my my pathway here is as a computer science teacher. Um, Glenn is a language teacher, and that's that's pretty rad. Uh, I'm a big fan of Glenn's work, and you know, when I was thinking about who to to deal with on this you know that that was a factor is that that we're in two different places and um he's been teaching a lot longer than i have too um you know i've actually only been teaching for about seven years um so you know actually in the classroom uh so there's that as well um i have some other perspectives related to you know what i was doing before i was teaching but um you know, it's, it's just, you know, sometimes things just happen and work out and maybe this is just one of those things. It's, it's been a really cool experience.
0: Awesome. Do I get to talk?
1: Huh? <laughs> I'll let you speak. Sure, uh, That's
0: awesome. Um, I, 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 I actually think it's pretty cool. Once Mike and I actually started talking, uh, cause I mean, we really didn't know each other. The only thing we knew about each other was what Mike said, the thing that we had related, uh, which was game-based learning. Uh, and gamification concepts and the passion we have for those things. Um, and then we found out that we have a lot of other things in common. I mean, we both are pretty liberal as far as in politics, so we have that in common. But we also oh, yeah. come from different, such uh, different backgrounds, and the U.S., Uh, versus canada kind of perspectives are are interesting i think especially to our audience i've had uh different people comment on that that they think that's that's a cool uh, back and forth between us that's that's uh mike shares kind of what's happening within canada what it's like to be a canadian and you know have healthcare system and and the way Mm -hmm. their education system works um and then uh, the different perspectives here as far as the politics that are concerned within education itself. And then my background, I mean, I, I, I like to talk about that. My inspiration for everything that has come through education is, and being a Spanish teacher specifically has been my mom who was a, mm-hmm. uh, an immigrant into the United States. And I always tell people she was an illegal immigrant so that people understand that, um, you know, the, 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 the lies and myths being perpetuated about people who are coming here are not uh, true most of the time. That's a lot of people come here because they want a better life. And that's kind of the story of the United States. And I like to make sure that people know that, that that's my number one inspiration is my mother uh, coming to the United States and, and basically giving us, uh, my brother and I, a better life. Uh, and then I like to, uh, to make sure I share that a story with others, uh, teachers, students, uh, community members, and then just to, so they can know that kind of like what my perspective is at and why I'm so passionate about uh, teaching and passionate about the Spanish language and culture.
2: Right, and you know, I, I'm curious also about at least a lot of the stories that I've heard. Um, you know, working in education technology for a while, uh, you know, there's there are those aha moments when uh you know teachers are in it for a while um or even maybe a few years maybe they've been using education technology uh since the beginning yeah uh or maybe it's something that they kind of picked up along the way and i'm just curious uh if you guys have any any sort of aha moments or or uh could tell me tell me like the what it was like before you really started uh effectively using technology versus when uh you really got your groove in it
1: what what was that like i i've told this story a couple times and and it's a little bit of hero worship i guess but i when i was in teacher's college um and doing my b ed i read kurt squire's phd um thesis it, i don't know how it came up i think i was talking about like games-based learning and video games a lot, like in my classes, hmm. but didn't really have like any academia to back up all my nonsense. Uh, and so I, I started kind of looking around, I'm looking for ammunition <laughs> for these debates I was having in in my, my B ed classes on, you know, why I thought video games could be used in class. And I found Kurt Squire's paper on civilization three uh, and in history And teaching it, using it to teach in elementary class, and I was like, "Oh my!" It was like, it was like a lightning bolt in my head. It's like, "Oh my God, I could do this! Like this is real." And he's showing you me how to do it, and it just it was like a light went off in my head, and and I and then I found other things, and then I found Jane McGonigal's book and her TED talk on on how you know video gamers are you know these you know we should be cherishing these people and fostering. This culture of gameplay because people who play games are dedicated to completing tasks and winning things and um, we need people who are desperate to win um, because we have so many problems we you know we have lack of clean water and we have oil that's disappearing and you know, wars and famines and all of these things going on. And we need smart people to solve those problems. And, you know, we solve those problems all the time in video games, to be honest. And so we need these gamers to grow up and become scientists and and psychologists and sociologists and, and, and astronauts and all of these things that we need to solve all of these problems and to tackle them as if... It was that game that they loved playing when they were a kid that they spent hours and hours and hours just smashing their lives against to finish and to beat and to beat that monster. And it was a it was an earth shattering moment for me in my in my Bachelor of Education to realize that that I found like the proof I was looking for. Uh, and, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've actually told Kurt. 'Cause I we've talked now, um, which is weird for me. This is another weird experience of the podcast, is my heroes now will talk to me on Twitter. Uh and I've told Kurt my story about this and he he, he loves it. He thought it was great. Um, but that's I mean, that's what it was for me for sure. How about yeah, you? Yeah, so
0: I I think even before I got into gamification or game based learning. I was just wanting to push the boundaries of what could be possible inside of my Spanish classroom. So I've never been satisfied with uh, even this previous year status quo. Um, So I wanted to push those boundaries with whatever tech was available to me. And that started off with, um, you know, old tech like smart boards, <laughs> which me and Mike have had some discussions about those. Smartboards are awesome. <laughs> and then uh and then it progressed to I I read an uh, a blog post by this guy named Chris Avilas and he is a tech-up teacher. Oh, teched up teacher tech-up teacher. Yeah, teacher. Yeah. And his first blog post that he wrote, I was like, oh my goodness, I love what this guy's talking about as far as how gamif- how he's using gamification. He was basically telling us his journey. Um, and and it was mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, his journey and his literature classes of how he was using gamification. So I started basically, you know, emulating and borrowing a bunch of the things that he was using. And then one of, just by happenstance, I was coaching basketball that year and my assistant coach told me, uh, you should take a course by this guy, Dr. Haskell. And I was, a uh, and I already had my master's degree and I was like, who is that? And why should I take a course? You know what I mean? It's like a, he's like, no, this, this is right up your alley. Um, and so the course is called, uh, teaching and learning in digital worlds, uh, or in virtual worlds. And I took the course uh, just by the recommendation of my friend. I didn't need it or anything. I just was like, well, let's just see what happens. And that was my aha moment because Dr. Haskell basically had us as graduate students um, uh, participating in a class in these different virtual worlds, including Minecraft. And so one of my first projects, if you want to call them that, um, was building a world that then exploded, you know, as far as people wanting to know more about it which was kind of this commerce world that i built so my it would immerse my students in the spanish language while they were uh uh, role-playing as different uh careers within the the world of minecraft and so i i was just kind of borrowing a little combination of what dr haskell taught us and then also what chris avila's was doing which was documenting what was happening uh because i didn't find anything online or on youtube that anybody else was doing so i was like i'm just gonna Create YouTube videos, and I'm going to write down everything that I do, and however it goes, it goes, and it just happened to be that it uh, it became the the thing that I was like, okay, this is something that I can do, and it'll it's something that I can share with people of how to go about doing this, and it really is making a humongous difference as far as uh, for my classes engagements, but also just the ability for my students to go in and stay in the Spanish language, which was a big. Uh, push that I wanted to make sure happened.
1: He is selling himself short a little bit there. <laughs> he, used, he used Minecraft oh, so. to teach Spanish. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, Let's that's actually that, that was hero. one of my
2: aha moments with gamification. Is uh, so, Mike, you're talking about some hero worship, Glenn. I'm I'm going to take this opportunity here. <laughs> I, gamification was always something that I remember playing Reader Rabbit yeah. in school, and I thought that I thought that that was it. That was like the the pinnacle of of what <laughs> yeah. it meant. And then seeing. Uh, what you've done with minecraft to teach teach the human body in yes. spanish okay build this <laughs> giant human body uh in minecraft and then uh build a a roller coaster a working roller coaster <laughs> that goes around that all all of that and then you videotaped yes. it and everything that that was <laughs> i mean that that was uh definitely uh just kind of i don't want to say earth shattering i'm not sure it was that yeah. level but man it was it was something special oh, the, it, it definitely pulled the wool off my eyes I yeah, and I mean, my students were just so ready to
0: go ahead and take this leap with me. They knew it was something strange and different, but they were ready, like they were like, Yeah, we could do this, you know this is gonna be and and they were also willing to go ahead and play along, which is super important when you're talking about playful learning or gamification, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. that you gotta especially with my high school students talking about uh, sixteen to eighteen year old kids um having to pretend that there's that they're role playing different things and then staying again uh within the confines of the Spanish language which can be very difficult but it was almost like a fun game that we did every single day so it didn't seem like it was actual hardcore learning which it wasn't it was just super fun and learning was just it, it was uh you know part of the of what was actually happening within the class
2: yeah so that you know that makes me wonder so, I started working in education technology in 2012. Um, gamification, game based learning—at least w- w- it was pretty niche, as far as I could tell. And I, I maybe I'm, I'm wrong about that. You feel free to correct me. But it, it it was on my radar. Just it wasn't like a. I'm not sure it had taken yeah. off uh, this the way it has now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is becoming a regular term in, in the educational lexicon these days. So. Uh, you know, how have you seen the growth of this? Like what's what's that
1: been like for you? Uh and uh Mike, go ahead and I think that start with you. It's it's funny. I, I spoke at ISTE in 2014 on Minecraft, and I might have been one of the only sessions that had any serious games based learning element in it. And then you go to ISTE last year and it's everywhere. And I mean like the, the booth alone for Minecraft on the show floor was gigantic. gigantic yes. Right. Um, I mean, it's, it's exploded and, and, I think I try to remind people that it's not exploding without reason. It's not exploding because, I mean, there are some reasons and some of them have little to do with education. There is a whole generation of people growing up to be educators that played a lot of video games. It coincides with, you know, people who were teens in their nineties in the nineties playing that played video games constantly. And now those People are adults and can make decisions and are, are wanting to take their passions and use them, you know, in their jobs. I, I actually joke all the time that my goal in life is to bring my hobbies as close to my work as humanly possible. And, and I'm getting really good at that. Um, and... I think that that's what a lot of other people are trying to do too. I mean, Glenn loves video games and, you know, and we have a lot of friends that are educators that love video games and grew up with them. And, and now we're just using them because we think that, you know, that this is a fun way to work and to learn, but it, it doesn't come without like backup. Like I could drown you in paperwork <laughs> telling you, you know, I, I use that term all the time, but I could, I could, dump a truckload of journal articles on your desk now about how games-based learning is, is effective and why it's effective and best practices and models. So it's not like it's, it doesn't have any academia in its, in its, uh, in its corner either. So, um, and in the end, I, I mean, I think I say this probably every other, every third podcast, but we need to teach kids where they are, not where we want them to be. Um, our kids are home and they're doing the things they love. And we need to find a way to let them do the things they love at school too. Because when they do the things they love at school, they'll do whatever it is that they're doing better. And if we can find a way to get them to do their math better and their language better and their social studies better, um, why, why wouldn't you use whatever tool that is? And I think that those tools uh in a lot of cases are games. So that's that's I guess my two cents on that.
2: Yeah. So as a follow-up on that, uh Glenn, it, it sounds like Mike is somewhat somewhat talking about it's maybe a j somewhat a generational thing. Grew I grew up with games, therefore I'm using games. I see I see the benefit of that. Um are there any other elements to this that you see in, in the meteoric rise of, of game-based I, learning? I think that people have found out that um, and, and done
0: studies and, and, and really done, uh, used it in classes and really have some, uh, evidence behind why it is such an effective way of, of teaching. Um, and Mm -hmm. so it's not just like what Mike just said, you know, he has tons of research behind it now. And I think a lot of people are, are now taking it more seriously, I would say. But then the other part too, is that a lot of us are sharing how to do it right also because there's a lot of things and Mike and I have talked about this that we did wrong <laughs> you know getting started with game based learning and and some different things that we that we now we're like oh we should have done this differently which is anything in teaching you know especially at the beginning But more and more people are willing to share those things, whether it be within articles or videos uh, on YouTube or books that are being written, like by Matt Farber or Dr. Haskell, whoever was writing these different books. They're actually talking basically now, how do you go about doing this? And then when I go speak at places, you know, to teachers, I just tell them choose the things that you think will work for you right now and then make a long term plan about those things that you can go ahead and use. Later on in your class, with with some planning, and uh, another maybe a misconception too is is that this is easy to do, and it's not. It takes uh, a lot of planning, and maybe it takes more planning than regular lesson plans to make it really effective. Oh yeah, uh, Mike have ta- and I have talked about this. That we spend hours, basically, kind of play testing this. And we even use some of our students and sometimes our children <laughs> to be able to play test what we're about to do in our classes, because we don't want to basically uh, use Minecraft in a way where we're ruining the game. So that's the number one element that I always tell people, if you're going to use something, make sure that it still has the element of fun in it that you haven't like, but- you haven't uh, ruined that's that part, the play exactly right like um, that you haven't ruined that because then that uh, sours that then for everybody else. So you want to make sure, you know, kind of know what you're doing, but there's so much information out there about how to do it. There's lesson plans. There's all these things that highly encourage other teachers to, to take the leap and at least try it at a very, you know, at a low level, which would be like kind of like gamification kind of elements in your classes, which would be uh, kind of like uh, uh, Michael Matera describes. Uh, and then push yourself to to then say, okay, can I actually add games, whether they be physical board games? Because you can use those too. They don't have to be video games. We've seen tons of people using different adapting board games to fit into different things into the classroom. And there's some amazing examples of that too. So just kind of like uh, being willing, number one, to go ahead and do it and then doing some background research uh, and then being able to go ahead and uh, implement it and take the risk.
1: And board games are making a comeback, right? I mean, there are some pretty legit board what games. What a crazy out thing, now. huh? So I, I predict that you're going to see a lot of these same game-based teachers that are, are into video games. A lot of them are also into board games. And, and I think you're going to see, you know, a bit of a renaissance on board games in the classroom. Exactly. Um, but not just playing, you know, commercial board games but even like things like making your own board games uh, i've had this mm. vision in my head for for years of getting a hold of a bunch of 3d printers and then having kids create their own pieces and their own tools and their own items for a board game and making the board game themselves mm-hmm. uh we we have that technology now and uh i think it'd be we've had that see. technology
2: a long time mike yeah. That uh, i think that was a project that i worked on in like Second grade, <laughs> well, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. but you know what
1: I'm saying, was, like to make your really cool. 3D printing, uh, to take it and make plastic figures and stuff uh, would be, I mean, it'd be rad. I, I can't get over it. Oh, definitely. Idea. Definitely. How, how do we
2: adapt Warhammer yes. right. to, uh, exactly. to education? <laughs>
1: <laughs> On Education is brought to you by Audible. So I got to tell you about this book. So I'm reading a book called You Can't Spell America Without Me. It's written by Alec Baldwin um, and it's and it's in Trump's vernacular like it's in his voice like <laughs> it's written it's like as if it was written by Donald Trump okay. and so I'm reading it and I'm thinking uh, every time I'm reading it I I'm hearing Donald Trump's voice reading it to me. So I looked up on audible okay. if it was there and I'm telling you it's there oh So my goodness. this is Alec Baldwin in the voice of Donald Trump reading the book you can't spell america without me. You got to listen to this. It is an absolute nightmare of a book. It's hysterical. So all that you guys have to do to listen to you can't spell america without me is go to audibletrial.com/oneducation. That's audibletrial.com/oneducation and you will get a free audiobook download which you should totally use for you can't spell america without me by Alec Baldwin, read to you by Alec Baldwin in the voice of Donald Trump. There's nothing better. So go do that, like, right now.
2: Okay, so uh, you guys cover a lot of topics. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's something that when I heard you were doing an uh, education technology podcast, education podcast, um, you know, I, I was kind of expecting it to stay or to to be more narrow in in kind of the topics but you guys you guys tackle politics uh gaming obviously uh k-pop <laughs> even life itself yeah. <laughs> so uh you know do you feel like this this approach where you're you're treating education and educators as as more complex multifaceted you know varied in interest uh is is long
1: overdue for this space mike i think uh <laughs> I think a lot of our, our feedback that we got... Um, well, first off, I th- we uh, covering the politics in particular, I, very early on when just Glenn and I were talking and stuff, we realized that I, I mean, thank God, I guess that we aligned very well politically. Um, uh, pretty similar political views. Uh, and that, that was a relief, I guess. I, I hadn't really even thought of it, to be honest, until I thought about it. And I was like, oh my God, what if he's a... <laughs> If he's a crazy right-wing that, Republican that, that, guy. That <laughs> might,
0: might have been interesting though, too.
1: <laughs> it, it might have been interesting, sure. but it would have been a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if I could get on the air and argue with you every day. Um <laughs> I so I, I mean that's been interesting. So and we're passionate about this stuff, like uh, especially about the politics. And we do realize that it's important. It's not just important for you know society in general but it's important for education and it's important that we have those conversations um but also one of the things that has come up and it's been part of our not our marketing so to speak but we've used the the term this is kind of like the lunchroom a little bit Mm. in the sense that um i think that some of the feedback i've gotten is that people like that we don't just hi welcome We're going to talk about education today and we're going to talk about assessments. Uh, You know, people like that. We don't do that because there's, there are podcasts that do that. We listened to them uh, and we didn't want to be that. We wanted to, to have fun. We wanted to laugh. We wanted other people to laugh and uh, to talk about things we liked to talk about. But then we still have like serious conversations about education. We're still having um, detailed conversations with people And we want to talk to the smartest people about, um, you know, the most timely and interesting topics. And I think that that's what we've done. It's about balance. And I I think that, um, you know, I loved talking to reference Davis about K-pop and we found a way, I mean, we turned that into a really good conversation about education. If you listen to that episode, um, we talked about how that relates to education and how kids should be passionate about.
0: I think too, what Mike was just saying that people's reactions, at least what they've told us either, uh, you know, through our reviews or they've told me to my face is their favorite parts are just me and Mike talking back and forth on a variety of different topics, (laughs) sometimes arguing, sometimes agreeing with each other. Uh, But Basically, talk doing the the really showing that teachers are very have a diverse array of topics that they're interested in. So it's not just specifically education; it's not specifically just uh, you know politics and education, but it's a variety of different things that we might be interested in at tech. And so we try to pick out different topics of those, and then sometimes our conversations just end up getting steered to other things, which is awesome. Uh, I think those are the best conversations that we have, which then feel, I think they give, give people a connection to us then too. more. It's like, we're more authentic because we want to make sure we have an authentic conversation between us.
2: hundred percent. And speaking of that, um, so, and this brought, been brought up before and anyone who's listened to your podcast knows, uh, probably that Mike, you're in Canada, Glenn, you're in the U S and so that that gives your discourse about education politics, you know, a, uh, an interesting dynamic. Um, do you do you feel uh, that educators should should be more openly discussing uh, these, um, you know, uh, these ideas in, uh, about politics these days? And and you know, even with such a broad audience as you are,
1: I think that. Um it's important to talk about the politics. It's important to talk about American politics for me. I, I mean, I, I know more about U S politics than any Canadian should.
0: <laughs> That's so true though. And,
1: <laughs> and I'm, I practice pretty legit amounts of restraint. I feel on this podcast because I'm angry. I'm losing it up here over what's going on down there because what goes on down there affects what goes on up here (laughs) in tons of ways, not just like the NAFTA and, and that kind of stuff and and immigration. I mean, we can talk about those things, but even just like society in general, the, the toxicity of the dialogue, is starting to filter up here and they're taking their cues from Donald (laughs) Trump. And it's a permission slip to be the biggest jerk that you can possibly be. Uh, and, and there's, there's no getting around it anymore. It's, and so we're having to deal with it and, and this filters into education in so many ways. Um, you know, hiring people in charge of education that are completely unqualified to be in charge of education. And it's it's down there, and now it's happening up here too. I mean, we've talked about the Ontario election um, and how we elected Doug Ford, and it's it's beyond me how that happened. Um, but it did, and so now we have our own issues to deal with in terms of a conservative government um. That is that is really doing some pretty serious damage. If any of our listeners want to go look up what Doug Ford's doing to the uh, to the health slash sex ed curriculum in Ontario, um, you'll you'll see some pretty pretty serious damage. And he's only been in office for like four months. Um, it's important to talk about the politics. This stuff affects us. It affects our kids. I have kids that go to school. Glenn has kids that go to school, and we want our kids to have every opportunity and the best education possible Uh, and politics impacts that. And so it's important that, that we talk about that. And, you know, if, if I'm Canadian and listen, like I just said, I don't care that I'm Canadian and talking about American politics. You know, if you have a problem with what I'm saying about us politics, come on the show and come (laughs) at me. It's fine. Let's, let's go. Uh, I mean, I'm good. So, I mean, I, I would, I would love, I would love to have contrary opinions. Maybe they're afraid of me. I don't know <laughs> what I th- what I think is an interesting dynamic um, between
0: Mike and I is um, is we have to a lot of times in the United States uh, as as teachers be careful with what we say about politics. I think I think that that's a very uh, it's it's like an unspoken rule um, because. We have a country that's split uh, between two completely opposing sides of uh, of the political spectrum, um, and and lots of people in the middle uh, between these two spectrums that uh, that shift one way or the other depending upon on on the the year, the election year. So I think it's hard to talk about politics. So this is kind of a I thought this was a kind of a nice platform to be able to do that um and be able to kind of just let people listen and and either they agree or disagree and people have told us that they listen to the podcast but they disagree a lot with the politics Um, but that's what i tell mike too is that uh it's hard to understand how uh how wide the gap is between the two political sides and so because it's so wide it creates a lot of tension and people just really don't want to talk about it you know it's one of those things where you're like is it safe to say what I want to say here or should I just keep my mouth shut you know kind of that thing so it gives them a forum to be able to listen to these things and then be able to go ahead and and do something about it which we always talk about the, hey you know, you can go ahead and write your legislators. You can talk to them. They work for you. Uh, and of course, when it comes time to vote, vote on, on the topics that matter as educators. And and here they are. Are we presenting
2: those things too? Well, i thinking about, you know, the, having this, this has been a great platform for you. You know, it's working in education. I don't, I don't know about in Canadian education as much. I know in U.S. education yes. it can be really frustrating. Um, and I mean, there's so much pressure and responsibility and, and there's Glenn, as you're saying, there's not always an easy way to vent uh, because there's that unspoken rule uh, maybe to not, not talk about it or, or, you know, a lot of times teachers or educators yes. feel like they're an island. Right. They don't, they don't really have anyone to talk to. It's less so these days, I think, since uh, tech has been, uh, you know, really bringing everyone in, into communities. But, uh, you know, how, other, other than the politics, how has this podcast been a cathartic experience for you, Mike?
1: Um, I mean, I'll tell you, the venting about politics has been a cathartic experience <laughs> for me. So I'm glad I get to come on somewhere and, you know, complain for a little bit anyways. Everyone has to listen. <laughs> yes. I have a captive audience. I'm sure they fast forward. You, you have that ability now, I suppose. Oh, Mike's talking again. Let's move on. Um. I I've enjoyed this a lot. Uh, I've enjoyed talking and getting ideas. We've talked to some of the yes. coolest friggin' people. Brilliant people. Like uh, I mean, I, I think it really hit me when we had Paul DeVarzi on and he wrote a blog post for us and we read that thing and it was like, oh my God, this is this yeah. is a root. Work- Oh my, it's so good. I didn't even know. Like, and then we talked to him, and he's like, it's like so good. It was amazing. And it inspired me. And, and Rafrans and, and Steve and Mike Cohen and all of these people that we've talked to have just inspired the hell out of me. And, and I'm just, I, I get up and I'm wanting to do even half as close a good a job as they do at what I'm doing. And, um, so, I mean, that's what, that's, it's definitely got me going. I think about what these guys are doing in the mornings and what they're doing at work and they're, they're inspiring. And so I'm trying to go and do the same thing, work just as hard or harder, uh, and, and keep up with some of these folks, uh, cause it's, it's hard keeping up, but you know, that's when, you know, you're doing the best work is, is when you can keep up with some of the folks that we've talked to, you're, you're batting at a whole different level. And that's been I think it's also
0: awesome. I mean, the perspective of being able to have these amazing educators out there, them sharing their ideas, and then uh, this huge audience being able to listen to those and getting inspired, just like what Mike just was saying. But giving our audience the ability to kind of take a peek into what is Rafanz Davis really thinking about and what does she she get passionate and inspired uh, with? which was a completely different uh, – it went a completely different direction than we ever thought as far as in the interview. But it, mm. it actually ended up being super powerful to just say, hey, you know what? Pe- teachers are very diverse uh, beings, and that's okay. We want that, and we want people to be passionate about a variety of things and not just be work-centric. I think a lot uh, – people have told us that, several guests have mm-hmm. said – I need to make sure that I take a step back away from work and then that I make sure that I'm a whole person. And that's a great message to share with our audience and all of our teachers out there who, like you just said, Dylan, sometimes are isolated. They live, they they work and live in a silo. So we want to make sure that they can hear these messages uh, of what it could possibly
2: be. And then how do you go about doing those things? Very cool. So do you, do you think that, more educators should be taking advantage of, of this, uh, golden age of podcasting. No, <laughs> you don't want competition, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a great way to reflect.
1: That's my, that's my key. That's my that, That's
2: not the answer I was expecting.
1: I, I, I think it? they should.
0: Uh, I think it's an awesome way to reflect. Oh, um, it's, it, I think it's for me, it's a lot easier than writing. Like Mike is a very, very good writer, but it's easier for me to just speak, uh, and, and talk about my ideas than it is to go ahead and and put them down eloquently, for example, in a blog post. So it's an easy way to be able to get your ideas out. And like Mike said, there's a lot of different ways of being able to go ahead and uh, make this happen, record it, and being able to publish it and send it out to the world so that other people get to hear your story, your journey uh, in your teaching career.
1: If, if you're a communications teacher or a media teacher in high school, and you're not doing a podcast you're wrong (laughs) like i mean flat out this is an awesome project uh i mean it'd be amazing for a high school to have a podcast and you could it is not hard folks to do this to be to do it like like just to get it up and going it's like get a soundcloud account and some microphones and write an outline um and then and then learn as you go um But I mean, what a great project this would be for any. I mean, I say at the high school level um, because um, high school students could probably kind of do it on their own. Uh, If it was at an elementary level, you could still do it totally. Uh, You would just have to, you know, hold their hands a little bit more and and walk them through it a lot more and guide it. Um, But I mean, for any community group, any educators community. I mean, a lot of them are doing it already, which is great. But I mean, this is, it's an awesome project to just get into and, and people should be doing it, uh, for sure. So for those, those who are just starting out, Mm
2: uh, you know, what, what would you tell them apart from obviously mentioning that it's easy technically, uh, you know, what, what advice would you give them, uh,
1: getting started that you've learned along the way? I think the outline is really important. Uh, at least at the start, uh, we worked really hard on the outlines. Uh, in the beginning, we were it was taking us a week to put together a really good outline. Uh, and it's like uh, we're both, Glenn and I are both on an outline page right now on Google Docs. And our outline page is four pages long. Uh, it's got your questions on it. It's got, you know, um, our notes. It's got production notes. It's got our advertising notes. Um, it's got other content on it and and it but it was even longer when we first started um, you know we were writing six seven eight page outlines um, until you get into the habit of, of of how to do it and you develop a pattern and a rhythm uh, the outline is is critical um, and then but then being able to present that outline as if you didn't have one um, is I guess the next part that's the, the the performance side of this has always been an interesting aspect to me because I, I thought I would um, Suck at it a lot more than I do, um, because I actually have a phobia of talking to people um, in large crowds. Like doing the presenting stuff, ISTE and school G next. I don't like doing those things. I do them because I'm trying to push outside my boundaries and my box and learn how to get better at those things. Um, but but uh, this this talking into a microphone is, has been a really interesting and fun experience for me. Uh, but yeah, the outline and then performing the outline as if you didn't have one is probably a, a pretty good thing for me having compelling topics
0: something compelling to talk about on a consistent basis yeah. so that you build up an audience so i think that would be the combination of those things you then have a something good you have a product people want to listen to it uh something compelling to listen to it and talk about then you, you run into something
2: yeah and i think just to add to that uh, not only is it compelling but it's also something that you're passionate about you never know what people are going to be passionate about true. right and and just doing doing something putting it out there there's I mean there's some uh, there's some crazy things out there uh, I don't know I can't think of any off the top of my head just that that you could build a coalition of of people who are interested in this it, you know the 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 people who do the podcasts I think that when 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 interviewed podcasts or or different media uh and and they're interviewed you know how it started a lot of times I mean very often it's like we just started doing this because we wanted to right we were passionate about this topic and we had no idea it was going to blow up like this right. um, I think they often come from humble roots so
1: we uh uh, it, it, when we talk to uh, our hosting service is not a normal hosting service. We, we pay for it, but it's a closed community. You have to be invited to be on it. And the hosting service we deal with um, hosts, uh, some of the biggest podcasts on the planet. Um, mm. uh, you know, um, pod save America and NPR, not NPR, but, uh, uh New York times, the daily uh, are all hosted by these guys. And, um, I when we first started, I got on a call with them and I said, listen, um, there are eight million teachers in North America. And uh, don't you think that some of them are going to want to listen to a podcast about teaching? And they just went, yeah, yeah, (laughs) uh, totally. And that's that that was what got us kind of in that door, um, which is which was hilarious. I think that there is a, a constituency for this. Uh, and it's growing, you know, exponentially and, and we're couldn't couldn't be happier with, with how things have gone. So just thinking back, if if you could okay, so you're you're here
2: now, you're at the top. Nowhere to go from here, uh right? Then, oh, we could uh, get it. We can the, the to the pinnacle. <laughs> <laughs> we could be toppy. <laughs> no, I, I know. That's but then looking back at, at your former selves, what would you tell your former selves just starting out, what advice would you have for them? Maybe if there's a particular thing you ran into that, <laughs> you know, don't go down that road or or whatever it is. Uh, how, how would you, uh, what, would, what would you tell your, your past selves who are just starting mm, that's out? That's a really good question. Mike, you got an answer for that.
1: <laughs> I, 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 to be honest, I'm still, I still don't think I do this as well as I could. I, I think I'm, still wordy <laughs> Glenn can attest to that <laughs> uh I think I, I think I talk oh, too awesome. much <laughs> um you know and I talk for a living these days but I, I'm I'm still trying to get us into a better pattern uh, there's still work to do there's all listen if you're if you're not constantly trying to improve then you know so I mean there's there's I always listen to these things and see where we could do better um so I, I, I mean, while we spend a, a decent amount of time at the top of the edtech charts and stuff like that, there's there's a lot of room to grow, uh, still. And you know, we're um, wanting to just keep getting better at it. So I'm, I'm still thinking about ways. I, I can would improve. tell my
0: former self to just relax during the because the initial podcasts were kind of robotic on on my end, just Hi. just I just wanted to make sure I followed the script and I was saying certain things or blah blah blah, whatever it might be. But really the the best thing for anybody doing this and for myself starting at the beginning was just if you just relax and just have a normal conversation, then you'll great things will happen. Because that's what this is about. Just basically having a conversation on interesting topics and then having a back and forth dialogue. Um which I think has been the best part of how we've grown through the you know
2: for the last few months very cool. well hey guys, this has been awesome. It's been a very uh it's been a, a pleasure of mine uh you know i've I've had this I've had my own podcast equipment for a while and I've never yeah. used it for a podcast if you can believe it so this this is the first first opportunity awesome. I've gotten uh it it it's an honor it's to fun. talk with you guys it, it's really cool what you're doing. And uh, Thank just you keep going. Awesome.
1: Just keep going. Thanks for, yeah. Thanks for joining us, Dylan. Uh, this, is, this has been a blast, and, and, uh, and hopefully we'll have you on and, and we'll talk again soon. Definitely. We'll talk soon. On Education is an on podcast media production. My name is Mike Washburn. My co host is Glenn Irvin. You can get in touch with us or ask us questions to answer on air by visiting our website, oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at on Education Pod. Glenn is at Irv Spanish on Twitter. I can be found on Twitter at Mr. Washburn. Our sound engineer is Jake Codeweiss. He's on Twitter at JKRadio. You can find us on Facebook by visiting Facebook.com OnEducationPod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be honored if you shared it with them please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Schoology, for supporting us. Check out Schoology.com to learn how they can help you advance what's possible. Thanks, as always, for listening. Stay awesome. See you soon.